You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Kathy Smith. I'm going to be able to share with you tonight, which I'm really excited. Um, as I was talking with Lori, this has been one of the harder uh, books we've done in a while, and it was really a challenge, and I love it because I like it when God stretches us. And as he stretches us, we tend to grow. Sometimes we don't grow uh, in a right direction. Sometimes we stretch and start going down and trying to dig ourselves into the dirt, which hopefully none of us have done. With our topic today, Famine, rain, falling, rising, wilderness, promised land, less than, greater than, chaos, and order. That's some pretty crazy patterns, and I think they all run in our lives in all different ways. But we're going to talk about that tonight. And hopefully, if you got a chance to do your homework, you will be able to um, relate to what we're going to be talking about. Because this isn't just stories in the Bible. This isn't just something from the Old Testament that doesn't exist anymore. The Old Testament is alive and well. And it is part of our life. It's part of our being as being a Christian. And so as we start finding Jesus in the Old Testament, it just so reveals through his Holy Spirit the patterns in our lives and the things that God wants to speak to us about. So let's start with famine and rain. First, you know what? Why don't we pray? (laughs) That's kind of a good thing to do. Father God, I thank you for this time and this evening. I thank you, Lord, for this study that only you could reveal to us through your Holy Spirit and teach us. So the the lover of our soul, the, the, the teacher left here on earth to love us. And God, I thank you for that. So Father, speak through me, speak through your word, that every one of us will leave here different. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Okay, so be honest. Who got to do their homework? Cool. I like the honesty, you guys. That's cool. Because we don't always have time to sit down and do it, do we? But let me encourage you. If you make the time, God will honor that. He will honor it more than you could ever imagine. And I get teary-eyed because I've done these Bible studies and haven't taken the time. And I really do regret it later. Because something God will bring back to remembrance, something I heard in the study, or something that I partially read. And he was wanting to talk to me. And I just happened to think I had some more important things to do. So let me encourage you, when you feel like you don't have the time or I'm too tired, whatever it may be, it's called a sacrifice, girls. Let's sacrifice and dive into his word. That's the sustainer of us. That's our everything. This study, I had pneumonia. I'm still getting over pneumonia. I'm not contagious, and it was not COVID. (laughs) But my brain was so foggy, and I'm like, Lord, I can't do this. He goes, yeah, you're right, you can't. But through me, Kathy, sit down, open the word, and start reading and let me talk to you. I'm like, wow, God, that's heavy. Okay. And so I started seeing these patterns in my life. When I knew I was going to do this study, all hell broke loose. Literally. My kitchen was gutted. I came down with pneumonia. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't sleep. What little food I ate didn't last long. 
and God's telling me to sit down and read his word. Okay. Out of obedience. And that's the only way I could have done it was that sacrifice of obedience to sit down and say, okay, God, you're going to have to do this because I certainly can't. So that's why I encourage you. Don't think you can't do it. Oh, yes, you can. Because you can do all things through Christ. And he is there to walk you through it. So let's start with famine and rain. So we know what happens, uh, what happens when famine comes. Fear, right? Famine, dried up, gone, doesn't exist anymore. How are we going to live without something? That's kind of what goes through our head when a famine comes. How are you going to live without food, clothes, job? How will you get through it? When I look at this, what famine does, it turns us to God to trust in times that don't look good at all. The children of Israel would have had to depend on him for everything. Just imagine, you guys, put yourself in their shoes. I always put myself and whoever's speaking, their shoes. If I'm wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, what is that like? Well, before we were saved, you guys, we were wandering around in that wilderness. Even after we were saved, we're wandering around in the wilderness. But they had to depend on God for everything. The reason for famine was not trusting God and disobedience to the law. This next part on page uh, 90 of our book, there's a statement that rings true to our lives. This is what the children of Israel were thinking. Does anyone have a Kleenex close by? I would appreciate it really quick. Thank you. I should have thought about that and brought it up, and I didn't. Oh, I love you. I love you, too. I love you more. Oh, thank you. Here's what it says on the page 90 of our book. They felt they couldn't control God, so they stopped trusting him. Wow is right. What a statement, huh? How do we act in times of famine like that, like the children of Israel? Do we act like them? Do we turn to him in dry places and fill with the Holy Spirit? Or do we say, can't control you, God, so I'm just going to do my own thing? Because you really don't understand, God. You don't get it. I've got a better way of doing things. And that's exactly what the children of Israel did when they built that golden calf, when Moses was up on the hill getting the Ten Commandments. Ah, oh, he's never coming back. This is no good, man. Really? Even Aaron jumped in on that, started building the golden calf. Excuse me for wiping my nose, but it's better than boogies. This is the leftovers of the pneumonia. But famine, all right. So we kind of know what famine's like. And then I have on here, but the rain. What happens when you're in your heart when rain comes after a long, hot summer? Or when rain comes in the most exhausting time in your life? You take a deep breath and you feel refreshed. You feel hopeful. You feel like, wow, Lord. I needed that. I needed that water. And remember, this isn't just physical. This is a spiritual battle, our battlefield, that we're fighting. But when that rain comes, it is so refreshing. I love to see what happens to the flowers, the grass, and trees when the real, and I mean real, rain comes. The rain from God Almighty. The rain from him alone. The funny thing is, is that sprinklers, which my husband is a gardener, and he calls sprinklers fake rain because it is fake rain. It doesn't even do anything close to what God's rain does to the lawns, to the flowers. You can turn the sprinklers on after you've uh, 
fertilized the grass, you turn the sprinklers on to make it all pretty, right? Works for about two minutes. The next day, it's gone. And it misses spots. It, sprinklers don't cover every single inch. When God does it, he does it completely. He covers every part. The grass is greener. The flowers are prettier. That first bloom of the roses after an incredible rain. It's been a long, dry summer. And then that rain comes. Wow. It's just the most awesome thing ever. Famine, drought, kind of depressing, and then rain. But are you depending on the fake rain? Because we can have fake rain in our life, make us feel good for a minute, give us false hope, a little bit of happiness. Happiness is temporal. Joy of the Lord is our strength. I call it false peace, false hope, that fake rain that comes from the way the world will make us feel better. What do you run to? Where's your rain coming from? I want to depend on God's rain. In my obedience to him, in our obedience to God, that rain will come. I want to read uh, Jeremiah 2, uh, 3, 2 through 3. And this is what happened when the children of Israel, when they didn't trust God. Look at the shrines on every hilltop. Is there any place you have not been defiled by your adultery with other gods? You sit like a prostitute beside the road waiting for a customer. You sit alone like a nomad in the desert. You have polluted the land with your prostitution and your wickedness. That's why even the spring rains have failed. For you are a brazen prostitute and completely shameless. Anybody understand that? Because we were all a whoring after the things of this world before we were saved. People say, oh, well, you are a prostitute. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so are you. We've got to bring Christ into our lives to get the real forgiveness, to get the real hope, to get the real rain that's going to stop our famine. Now we're going to look at rising and falling. So the most perfect person, as you looked in your book, was Joseph. Joseph, the one with the coat with many colors. Joseph, whose family threw him in a well, stripped him of his clothes, threw him in the well, sold him into slavery. That, oh, I wanted to say here, he was, he has a dream, his family will bow down to him. That was the rising part, okay? He was stripped of his clothes, thrown into the pit by his own family, that's the falling part, sold into slavery, but finds a position in honor in Potiphar's house, which was mind-boggling if you read the story. That was rising, and now only this could be God that can do any of this acts with integrity and honor and refreshes, refuses the sexual advances of Potiphar's wife, but ends up in prison for doing what was right. How many of you, if you ended up in prison because you did what was right, would you stand there and say, oh, praise the Lord? Or are you the one who's going to say, why me, God? I did what was right. Why are you punishing me? He wasn't punishing him at all. He had to put him in that prison to raise him up. To help Potiphar. To discern his dreams. To all of a sudden be friends with the jailer. Oh, wow. All these things fell in place. Because what we think was falling and being bad was working out for God's glory. 
Because who came to him in the middle of a famine? Now he's running the country. And here come his brothers who hated him, who wanted him dead in the well. Now his brother is going to save their lives because now he's got control of the food in the middle of a famine. And his family came to him. Did he say, you guys are jerks, man. I don't want to have anything to do. You tried to kill me, man. I'm not giving you any food. He could have said that. But that's not what God did in Joseph's heart. God gave him forgiveness. God gave him unconditional love. Sound a little bit like Jesus with you? God gave him everything for such a time as this to save his family. And that's exactly what happened. So rising and falling, when we read these things, we think is bad. Rising and falling in your own life, you might think it's bad. It's not. You've got to look for Christ in everything, you guys. Christ has a reason for everything in our lives. And in these patterns, as we look at them in our lives and what happens in our lives, and if we'll stop and we'll say, okay, Lord, speak to me, show me, teach me, through these rough times of these falling times, he'll show you it's not bad. It really isn't. Let's look at page 101 in our book. Where's my book? My book's right here. Let's go to 101. Okay. Now we're going to talk about Jesus. If you look up here, Jesus in the rising and falling, okay, concedes onto earth. So Jesus comes down to earth, falling. Christ came down from heaven onto earth. The emphasis is placed on the coming down because he was in higher places. He was in heaven. So when we mention falling, this is to highlight moments where God stopped for us in love. Rising, on the other hand, highlights clear moments of victory. Jesus is baptized and affirmed by God the Father rising. Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, falling. Make sense? Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem in his triumphal entry. Oh, it's the king, the king, the king. A week later, they killed him, but that was rising. Jesus embarks on a journey to the cross and crucifixion, falling. But here's the best part. Jesus raises from the grave, conquering sin and death on the third day, rising. He had to go through the rising and the falling. He had to, to fulfill God's word and to fulfill salvation for us. No rising and falling, no salvation. Now we're going to talk about wilderness and promised land. Who here knows what a wilderness is? Who's ever been in a wilderness? Anybody ever been out in a desert where there's nothing but, we call it kitty litter land, kitty litter everywhere, <laughs> right? The sand. And there's nothing out there but a bunch of prickly uh, uh, cactus where it'll hurt you if you touch it. But if you can get into it, there's some really good stuff in that cactus. Most of us can relate to this. Before we were saved, we were in the wilderness, but even after our salvation, we could go around in the desert until we submit to God's will. We sometimes feel God is absent, but he is not. I will never leave you or forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. That is a scripture you need to hide deep in your heart. 
Because there's times where we think, God, are you really here? Are you here? Are you hearing me? Do you really know my name? Did you really count every hair on my head? There's times when we're in that wilderness, but we have to remember Hebrews 13.5. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Moses was used by God to take care of the people as Jesus is used by God to take care of us. The Holy Spirit as well is here on earth to take care of us where we're never alone in our walk through the wilderness or on our way to the promised land. What's your promised land? Do you think your promised land is that brand new home up on the hill that you wanted? Is that your promised land? Is your promised land that brand new job, man? If I could just get that job. That pays double what I'm making now. Is that your promised land? As Christians, our promised land is heaven. We're just passing through here. This is not our home. Our promised land is heaven. But Jesus, I can't wait. I was hoping this pneumonia would take me. Oh, Lord, there were nights where I, did, I can't sleep. I can't this. I can't. I'm like, Jesus, just take me now. Please just take me now. I want to go to heaven. I want to be all better. Now, obviously, that wasn't his plan. He said, no, you have a Bible study to share that. Okay, Lord. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is our helper who teaches us and reminds us. I put 10 things down of what the Holy Spirit does. Now, we have to remember in these patterns that we're looking at, what part is the Holy Spirit the leader in your patterns, right? <coughs> Excuse me. John 14, 26. I don't know if you guys have this on PowerPoint or not, but if you do, we're going to just run through these really quick. Uh, what is the Holy Spirit in your life? He's your teacher, and he reminds us of things. In John 14, 26, Jesus told his disciples, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father I will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Wow. He's going to bring into remembrance everything that he said. That's pretty cool. Number two, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. The helper is the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That's John 16, uh, verses 7 through 8. The Holy Spirit dwells in believers and fills them. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That's 1 Corinthians 3.16. The Holy Spirit is a source of revelation, wisdom, and power. That Holy Spirit, the revelation of, of, of wisdom and power through his word, the Holy Spirit reveals that to us, you guys. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except for their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except of God, except the Spirit of God. First Corinthians two ten through eleven. That's why people will say, you will hear them say, "Well, don't judge me. You don't know what I'm thinking. You don't know this. You don't know that." No, but God does. What's the intent of your heart? What is the reason? You're acting or saying or doing something because the Holy Spirit will let you know what's right and wrong. The Holy Spirit guides to all truth, including knowledge of what is to come. And this is John 16, 13 through 15. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you 
into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Bible says, call on me, and I'll tell you great and mighty things you know not of. He will glorify me. It is from him, it's from me that he will receive what I will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts. Who here's got a spiritual gift? Raise your hand. Everybody in this room better raise your hand. You were all given spiritual gifts. The moment you got saved, you were given the spirit of uh, uh, a gift of faith. You did all that by faith. Did you see how you got saved? No. The gift of faith was put in you just enough, just enough to believe that Jesus Christ died for you and he's going to save you and deliver you from all your sins. Spiritual gifts are a fantastic thing. And not all of us have them all. But we all have gifts, and they are to be used in the right situation, in the right timing. God will, uh, the Holy Spirit will urge you. Have you ever had, and I do this quite often, I'm leaving church, right? Sunday morning, awesome service. We're all just, yeah, praise God, thank you, Jesus, walking out. And there's somebody sitting there, and they're like this, heads down, their whole countenance, you know they need prayer. You just walk by, guilty, done it. And I've had to turn around, I've had to look at my husband and say, I'm sorry, honey, but i got to go. I've got to go back and pray for that person. Or at least just sit there and not do anything, but just be there for them. Ladies, that's the gift of discernment. Your spirit, God's telling you, go pray for that person. Go love that person. Because if, he, if you don't do it, he's going to use somebody else. And I don't like that. I like being used by God. I want to be the one that God says, Kathy, please go pray for her. That is the most precious thing ever, is to pray for somebody else. Because almost every time when you're praying for that person, you needed that prayer just as much. You know, we can walk around looking all, you know, strong and spiritual and, oh, blah, 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 and, you know, you know what? I need a lot of prayer. <laughs> but let the Holy Spirit have his perfect work in you. Wanting nothing. Book of James. The Holy Spirit helps us in Christians' weakness. It, let me read the scripture. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through worlds, wordless, wordless groans. And in whose secrets in our hearts he knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to with the will of God. That's Romans 8, 26 through 27. Some of those groanings, don't know if you've been there, I have, where I just don't know what to pray anymore. There's been times where I was like, Lord, I quit. I don't know what to pray anymore. And I'll just go sit in my corner my little prayer closet, wherever that may be. Not a literal closet. I don't have a closet big enough to go in. Right? If I did, it's full of stuff. But when I just go and sit and be quiet and just not know what to pray, let the Holy Spirit do that. Holy Spirit sanctifies and enables believers to bear good fruit in their lives. Wow. The work of the Holy Spirit in a Christian's life is an ongoing process of becoming holy through sanctification. Through the conviction and power of the Holy Spirit, believers will not indulge 
in sinful acts of the flesh. That's Galatians 5, 16 through 21. But will bear good fruit of the Spirit. You guys, we want to be good fruit bearers. We don't want stinky, rotten fruit hanging off of us. We want some good stuff. Now let's go to chaos and order. Who knows what chaos is? If you have children, you know what chaos is. At all ages. <laughs> Not just, you know, the little guys. The big guys can bring some chaos. How have you seen chaos in your life become order when you brought God into it? I have seen it time and time again. That when I was in chaos, once I stopped, prayed, and trusted God to be in control, life gets much better because we live in a world full of chaos. We do not have to live in the mess. Let God bring order to our lives. And that by making Jesus, we can do that by making Jesus our priority. Chaos and order. We don't need to go into detail. Chaos and order is something that is so prevalent in the Old Testament where the chaos came and the whirlwind came and the nightmare came and the chaos of, you know, the children wandering around in the wilderness. They're out there wandering around complaining about the food, that they need more food, that the manna, God says, only take what you need. Well, they went into a mass panic thinking, how does he know how much we need? And so they took extra. What did they wake up to? Maggots. God said, I told you, only take what you need. Then when they started taking what they needed, that wasn't enough. So more chaos comes. We want meat. We want meat. What did he give them? He gave them meat. He gave them quail enough to come out their noses. Right? God isn't doing this to be mean. God isn't doing this to because he's an ogre and he's going to say, I'm going to teach you a lesson. He's doing it because he is teaching you a lesson with his perfect will. If we would just obey. If we would just listen and walk in obedience to Christ, the chaos will become peaceful. What about the chaos with the boys in the boat? Come on, get on in, boys. We're going to the other side. Now, they had just seen Jesus feed how many thousands with two loaves and two fishies? And they're like, oh, my God, their mind's blown. Right after that, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Did he say, get in the boat. We're going to have a storm and you're going to panic? He said, get in the boat and go to the other side. Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. Here comes the chaos. The winds. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Israel. I have a couple times, and I have been on the Sea of Galilee, and I have seen a storm come out of nowhere. It's a trip. And that boat, and they're fishermen. They know what storms are. They know how these boats work and all that. And they are in a mass panic because Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. Master, master, don't you care? We're going to die. Did Jesus get up and say, I told you, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. No. He got up and showed the real power of what he had in him. Peace be still. And he calmed the sea. And he calmed the storm. The chaos went away when Jesus spoke. Let Jesus speak into your chaos. Oh my goodness, it's wonderful. There's nothing better. All right, we're going to read Colossians 1, 19 through 23. This is the New King James Version, and it's reconciliation to Christ. Now, my husband and I have a ministry called Standing in the Gap, and it's based on reconciliation. In 1 Corinthians, God says, I've called you to the ministry of reconciliation, first of all to Christ and then to one another. But this is reconciled in Christ. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, 
and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, heaven made peace through the blood of his cross. And you know, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your own mind by wicked words, yet how he has reconciled in the body of the flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and you are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. You guys, there's our hope. We have been reconciled to Christ. Through all these patterns, these ups and downs, feasts and famines, chaos and uh, peace, the promised land and hope, all these patterns are running in our lives. How are you responding in those patterns? Are you reacting or are you responding? Big difference. We teach that in marriage ministry. If you react to something your spouse says, that's usually not going to turn out very well. But if you respond as a loving, kind person, you're going to get a whole lot more blessings from the response than a reaction. There's times for reaction. That's what Satan, just tell him to go to hell. It's where he belongs. But he is here on earth for a little while. But our answer to that is the name of Jesus and the blood of Christ covers us. We have that freedom in Christ to love one another, forgive one another, no matter what your sister's going through, man, whatever ebbs and flows that are in our lives, see them as Jesus sees them. Forgiven. Daughters of the king. Every one of you are the daughters of the king. What an awesome thing that is. I want to end with Jesus loves you. And let's pray. And then you can go to your groups. Oh, you sent me a text. Lori Cook. You're here somewhere. Oh, you're only like two or three down. That's pretty good. <laughs> that means how many texts I've gotten since hers. Okay, make the announcements and then I'll, we'll dismiss. Mentoring moms, okay, is this Friday at 9.30 at the Fullerton Sports Complex. Bring your chair and snack to share. Ooh, bring a good snack, okay? Titus 2 signups are open now if you would like to be discipled through the summer. And I'm sure you can talk to Kelly or one of the leaders here about the mentoring moms uh, and Titus 2 signups. And I think that's it, right? That's it. Okay, so let's pray. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for this time. I thank you for my runny nose. I thank you for all of it, God that you will get the glory out of this and that, God, you will be in the midst of every one of our patterns, that you will be our healer, our deliverer. You will be our all in all. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Hi, online people. We're here with the, um, the third week study of patterns of New Testament, Old Testament, Jesus in the Old Testament, finding Jesus in the Old Testament, and how he reveals himself through all of these things. And I gave you guys um, three questions, okay? The first one, Mrs. Steed, this is Tara Steed, and you have a new last name, Izzy, which is Garcia? Yeah, she got married. Oh my goodness, no. Oh my goodness, two years. Okay, so they're my uh, 
question answerers. Okay, so the first question I gave was, what patterns are in your life? I mean, that's a pretty basic question. So let's start with you, Tara. What, what patterns do you see in your life through all of this? Actually, it was kind of a tricky question for me. Um, I had to think about it for a little while. I feel like I'm really loud. Can you hear me? Um, I ended up coming up with faith versus fear. Um, isolation versus socializing and melancholy versus joy. Um, I've, I would think the main one in my life has been faith and fear. Yeah. And um, well, I yeah. want you to explain that really quick. You were called and your family to move to Africa. Yes, so we, we did... Um, in 2012, we ended up moving to Uganda, and I didn't know really much about it other than negative things, and I was very scared. I had three small children, and I really struggled with a lot of fear and going, and same thing like you said tonight, I had to come to the point where um, I just said, I can't do this, and he said, finally, I've been waiting for you to recognize that, yeah. and from that moment on, the weight was lifted, and he really was able to do a work in my life at that point. incredible relationships in yes. your life there, too. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, um, yeah, I, I think before that, I, I really felt like I did have the gift of faith, and um, I it was probably one of the first major episodes of dealing with fear yeah. and then watching the Lord come through and use that as a time for growth and challenge and um, just to reveal himself because he, that's, that's what he, he that's wants what to he be does. glorified, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. so those things that you came up with, those are patterns. I mean, it just doesn't happen once, does it? Not at all. The faith and the fear and, the, and all of that, it's going to repeat itself because we need to grow in each one of those areas. And every time it repeats now, mm -hmm. I look back because he yeah. proves who he is, and then he wants us to remember that and to go back and say, okay, I know that he will do this again. He, yeah. he doesn't change. He's the same, and his faithfulness to me is the same, and yeah. I can trust him the same. And uh, so hopefully it's a springboard for the next time. You have something, a foundation to stand on that you've already begun. That's right. That's right. Oh, I so. love that. I love that. What about you? So when I was, um, when you asked the question, I just really, you know, started praying and thinking, and I was just looking back, and um, I think one of the things um, that really came to mind was just how when trials come, how I often get surprised by them, and I don't know why I, you know, I think that, like, why does, you know, do bad things happen, or, like, I, Lord, what's happening, why and me, why me? And the verse he gave me um, when I was just thinking about that was Isaiah uh, 43, uh, verses uh, 1 through 2. Um, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. So it says, when you pass through the waters. Um, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. And I just love that. And just in my own personal life, this past season has been just full of trials. And um, I'm trying to get emotional. <laughs> and just things like, okay, Lord, like, you know, we're trusting in you, and, you know, I shouldn't be surprised that this is happening. You know, um, when trials aren't happening, we're to be preparing, and I think that's yeah. the pattern that he's showing me. You know, you're going to be, you know, in the trials fighting with his word, but when you're not, you know, preparing for that, because it will come. Yeah. And so just right now, I think just that kind of pattern and just remembering that, like, okay, we live in a fallen world, you know, things are going to happen. And, but, you know, the Lord is with, with us. And, and so I think that's, that's kind of what really, like, stood out. Never leave mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Never, never. Will he ever leave us or forsake us, even in the wilderness, even in that trial? So, all right, you girls, God is showing you good stuff. How do you change a pattern in your life? Because we can get in patterns that aren't healthy, right? So how would you go about changing that pattern? 
for myself like that when I mentioned like being surprised. I couldn't think of a better word, but just being shocked or I guess not being <laughs> not being surprised. You know, just remembering um, just God's word. And when like I mentioned preparing, I think it's easy even in seasons where maybe if they're not full of trials, it's kind of smooth sailing. It's easy to even kind of get a little complacent. Oh, oh yeah. And then even, you know, you come to a point where, like, I don't know, I, I even find times where I, I become more dry even in my time in the Word or whatever it is because you're not needing that dependency on the Lord like you do in the trials. But, you know, what He's taught me in breaking those patterns and not being, you know, surprised when things happen is just using that time to really, you know, gear up. I think we had the gathering, was it two weekends ago? And just, you know, about being battle ready. And I thought that, I thought about that too, like, how important it is. And I think it's online so people could listen to it and it's up there. But it was just awesome just being prepared and just having, you know, all all of the armor of God put on. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. But that's, that's pretty much what, what I, what the Lord was showing me and breaking that pattern of, you know, not being caught off guard. But like you were saying, not reacting, but responding. And you can't respond in a godly way if you're not filling yourself with, with his truth and oh, with all that. So, I would agree with a lot of that. And um, I think the main way that the Lord helped showed me to break some of the patterns was just to continually go back to the truth uh, because fear is based on lies and uh, the destruction of that. And so really the only way to have any strength in that is to go back to the truth and um i remember the truth is his word. exactly it's scripture his word asking for the spirit to come and guide you and fill you and remind you like you were speaking of memorizing those scriptures and drawing them to your mind whenever you're again facing those temptations or those doubts and um during one of our uh, difficult time i remember my husband and i we were just saying every morning we'd wake up and just cry out to the Lord and say, like, if, Lord, if you don't speak to us today, I don't know if we're going to make it, you know, and just needing so much to hear from the Lord in a very tangible way, just practically to feel like we had that boost just to get through the day. And um, and he's always faithful to use his word to have a special message, just what we need to hear. So. We do have to go back to that Holy Spirit. We kind of forget about him sometimes. Being the third part of the Trinity, no, we can't see him or feel him, but yet we can when we're close to him, you know. But that is, oh, probably one of the most wonderful resources that we have. Exactly. Stop calling it, you know. Stop calling the Holy Spirit and it him. So yeah, third part of the Trinity. He's alive and well. What has been outcome of the patterns in your life? So when I said that, I, I was even thinking about myself and my patterns. I've been saved 37 years. I say that with not pride. I say that with I can't believe I've been <laughs> saved and serving God 37 years. And the patterns in my life, when I look back and look at them, and the outcome of each one, I saw a lot of them. The outcome was glory to God. I saw some of those patterns where fulfilled the lust of the flesh. And that pattern was ugly. But then I still go back to God's word, and the outcome was, I'm still saved. I'm still serving him. I still love him with all my heart. And the Bible says, don't look back. You're not going that way. We're going forward. And we're putting our blinders on. And we're going to follow the pattern of God's word. What he tells us to do day by day. And we really do. I got to the point to where a few months ago, I literally... It was minute by minute, day by day. Thank you, Jesus, for today. I can't think about tomorrow. I can't think about my calendar. I can't think about all the stuff I have to do. It's now. And how am I going to walk in you now? And 
that hit home to me a few months ago. And that stopped a pattern in my life of having to push forward, having to push forward, keep going, do it, finish it, get it done. You're a woman of your word, you've got to do it. You know, all those things. No, God says, hold on. We're going to break that right now. I've given you today. How are you going to glorify me today? Because I haven't promised you tomorrow. Yesterday's going to take care of itself. It's done. Right now. And that was a pattern in my life that was really broken. And I'm still doing that today. One day, one breath at a time, and he's getting us through. So how are the patterns, the, the outcome of those patterns that you've walked through? What's the outcome of that? mentioned, I think, um, looking back, I think I've had patterns that have, you know, had blessing, blessing of an outcome and then others that maybe weren't and he's had to, you know, redirect me. And um, I think recently, actually, my mom mentioned like, oh, you've actually been doing a lot better at that. So I've, um, for years, I'm a peop like a people pleaser yeah. for a lot of people that know me. And so I like saying yes to everything and just doing, and I, I love to serve. And so some, a lot of times I would just over like do myself and then, um, it was just not, <laughs> it, it doesn't, well, does then you start doing it out of your own strength and not God's uh -huh. strength. And so, yeah, oh yeah. Recently, I've, well, in the past couple of years, I've been, like, really trying to be intentional about just even just praying about, okay, Lord, do you want me to do this? You know, uh -huh. is this something that you want me to do? Just breaking that pattern of not just saying yes, but, like, mm -hmm. taking it to the Lord and even, like, um, even day by day because I, like, I like being busy. I don't know why. I just, like, you know, having things. But even every day, like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And just yes. putting it in his court and not, you know, trying not to. your own calendar. Mm -hmm. Yes, and so recently just like, okay, Lord, is this something you want me to do? And some things it's like, no, right now, just like be, be home or, you know, whatever it is. And um, it's, been a, it's been a blessing, obviously nothing coming in the way of my, God's word and his time spent with him, but, you know, other things. And so I've, I've really actually been refreshed. And then even seeing my mom who would always tell me like, you know, you're doing too much, you know, yeah. telling me that. I'm like, okay, I think that I'm not, I haven't mastered so it most precious woman of God ever and I you are blessed you had a mama like I had a mama the same way awesome stuff and that you're willing to listen to mama and understand she really does know best sometimes when it comes to these things because guess what your mom was there and has been through the same thing and so you're recognizing that the patterns in your life that do need to be changed and the outcome of that. And with that being said too, even like the importance of being surrounded with people, you know, if your relatives aren't believers, like being, you know, involved in, in a setting where you are gonna have people that can see, maybe we don't even see the patterns in our own lives at the time, because we're so caught up, but you know, other women that have discernment, have things that can speak in and help you break those <laughs> patterns. So they don't really have to be. Older in age always. It's older <laughs> in the Lord, mm -hmm. but it does usually mean older in age too. Uh, teach the youngers. That's what we're supposed to do, right? And as long as they're following Christ, you follow them. Apostle Paul said, "You follow me as I follow Christ." Amen. And that's what you're doing. It's precious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's precious. And so I know you're open to my calling. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, I think that. For specifically for the faith and fear one, definitely growth comes out of it. And also, as that growth progresses, um, there is a sense of more peace and um, a settling down during the harder times um, because he's begun that work and yes. he's continuing that work. And so there are... Um, um, yeah, steps of just growing in him and that trust in him. And I love that quote that you gave because I had actually underlined it as well. Um, they felt they couldn't, 
when they felt they couldn't control God, they stopped trusting him. Yes. And I felt like that was a huge trigger um, the very beginning when we were leaving and moving. Um, I felt like I couldn't control God. And so I, I was scared. And so as that growth continues, that trust increases and that surrender continues. And um, yeah, definitely the hard times take us deeper and um, yeah, just solidify that our relationship with the Lord in so many ways that wouldn't happen otherwise. Amen. Just through this whole patterns, like I said in the beginning, I thought, oh, this is tough, God. I'm not, I'm not getting it right away. But the more and more I started reading and praying, I'm like, ooh, I get it, God. I'm starting to see it more and more and more. The patterns are so prevalent and so real and not always good. So he reveals to us, what is it you want us to change, God? What is it in the patterns? Because we can get in this, uh, what is it, the hamster wheel. And just keep going and going and going instead of recognizing we need to get off the wheel and, and let God change what it is he needs to change in our lives. And um, But we have to be willing. You know, uh, there's times where we're not willing. You know, it's like I'm like you said, I'm real comfortable right here right now, God. I like my little comfort zone. But then here comes a fiery dart. And it's like, oh, no, no, battle ready. We have to be ready at all times to give an account for our salvation. And whether, however that is, we have to be ready and prayed up and read up and memorized up. The, you know, it's not the things we do, but they do help. You know, it's not works, right? We are walking by faith in this. But these are the kind of things that gives us little tools. You know, you use the word fear, and I uh, wrote down the acronym many, many years ago. Fear, false evidence appearing real. And I know that's been used multiple times, but there's a reason it's been used multiple times, because it's powerful. False evidence appearing real. My mom lived in fear, and that was very, very difficult for me as a child and as a grown-up God-loving woman, the daughter of someone who is living in fear, I hate fear. Because I saw what it did to my mom. And I've seen what it's done to so many others. And I thank you, Jesus. I've never had that kind of fear. I've had other fears. But when it's debilitating, it's a horrible thing. As you know, going through what you went through. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. But it is false evidence appearing real. Yeah, and I think that um, that's very true. And sometimes those uh, fears are yes. based on true things. Yes. So there can be truth underlying, true realities underlying the fear. Yes. But it goes back to choice. Yes. And our choice to again, focus on the truth of God's word and the promises he gives us, even if it's just to comfort us. It's not necessarily that he's going to change or take away the danger or the, uh, the situation, but that he wants us to make a choice to turn to him and focus on him yes. instead of even the truth of whatever it is that the situation brought right. about, you know. Um, and so it, again, goes back to just choosing our focus and where and we're looking. Like, like the boys in the boat. That fear hit them. Like, why would Jesus bring us out here to kill us? You know, kind of thing. Is it, uh, but when Jesus speaks into it, peace be still. That storm, it stopped. It didn't take a week for it to stop. It stopped now. When Jesus speaks into something, and he speaks into your life, it's now. And he's, as we say, he's not playing. He's chosen us. He wants to use us. He's called us to do what we've been called to do and to walk in truth. Like you said, the fear is real. The, the, the circumstance is real. But God is so much more. 
and he got you through in so many beautiful ways, in so many beautiful ways. And I just, I, I see you growing in Christ. We're not real close. We, you know, we just, hi, how you doing, running around the building and stuff. But I've seen God work in your life. And it's really awesome to see the young ones coming up and know that you were willing. You were willing to say, okay, Jesus, I get this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow you. And that's precious. That's precious stuff. So um, I don't know how much time we have, you guys. Um, there's two more things. One more minute, you said. Yeah, I don't know when it stops and we have to pray. But um, uh, Kelly, if you're watching us, can you let me know? How much time we have? Like just a couple minutes? We have five minutes. Okay, there we go. Our precious Kelly back there talking to us. I wanted to go to one thing that I didn't talk about, but I loved whoops, what it said about... Um, I'm going to take up this. Rising and falling. Well, let's see, wait. Wilderness, promised land... Holy Spirit, where's the one note I skipped on how the world tells us? It was in our book. Uh, was it rain and disobedience? Oh, shoot. I think I lost it. Well, I did lose it, but we'll, we'll get back to it. But in the, um, how the world tells us to exalt ourselves, lift or raise ourselves up, right? How we're supposed to um, go to school and get your diplomas and da-da-da-da, look at me. This is what the world tells us to do. Your family members will tell you, well, you're so good at what you do, and they build you up, build you up, build you up, and the world says you need to make more money, and you need this, and you need that, and we have to promote ourselves, okay? The rising up of ourself, right? I call it the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I, you know? You're just rising yourself up. But what does God tell us? Be humble. Be gentle. Be meek. Meek is power under control, that meekness that Jesus had. Um, it's so opposite of what the world is telling us to do. And tell me a time where self-promotion is part of our lives. When do you, when do you think like that self-da-da-da-da may be necessary? Do you see that in anything in your life? Maybe with your kids? Look, kids. I've been through this before. I know this. I know that. Take my word for it. It's the heart intent and how it's said, right? Whether they're going to receive it or not. Or do you go to them humbly, which is hard to do with your kids sometimes, and tell them, Look, baby, this is maybe something you're not going to want to have to do. Giving them counsel, the love of God counsel, not the world's counsel, right? Go get it for yourself. Fight through it. What, what, what does God tell us to do? That's why we've got to be back in his word, the rise and the fall. You know, that pattern in our lives. We can get self-promoting at times, you know. I'm good at what I do. I have a great job. I love my job, and I'm very good at it. But you can't go around. That'll show itself as you do your job. What does the Bible says? Us wives, uh, women, we can win our husbands over without saying a word. That doesn't mean we don't talk. That means what we say and how we say it is everything. That's what's going to win them over. 
right? The world doesn't win us over that way. The world tells us the opposite things to do. That self-promotion ugly stuff. So back to those patterns. Here we go, back and forth, back and forth. You ladies have given some great insight on the patterns and the things that God has shown you through this. Because like I said, this is a tough study. And we're not used to topical studies. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool, but oh, Lord, help me. What a great topic, Jesus in the Old Testament. He shines, shines in the Old Testament. And we see his grace and mercy even in the Old Testament. That, you know, he didn't smoke them all in the wilderness, which he could have, especially when Moses came off that mountain. I was reading that story, man, and I'm like, Lord, the patience you have for your stupid kids, and we're, we're like that, that they went and they built that golden calf and they had this big old party and did their thing because they thought Moses wasn't going to come off the mountain. They thought. That's a powerful story. And so when I was reading that story, I'm like, Lord, please, please let me see you as I, as Jesus sees me, right? Precious and covered in the blood. Amen. So thank you, Jesus. All right, our time is up. We thank you, online people. Have an awesome evening and um, tell your friends to watch. You can, they'll, it'll be posted on our website also for the third uh, part of the study. Okay. Thank you.